Oh, I think people can learn a lot about what we are trying to bring to the community of biohacking in the sense of scientifically backed information and creating a community of biohackers that rely not only on information, but on their fellow biohackers that are providing this content. There's so much information out there, Toby, that the mainstream has no idea about. And you and I were talking earlier about meeting at the conferences and everything. We met some incredibly gifted people with some of the information that they're and the technology that they're pushing. That it sounds so futuristic, right? But Biohackers Magazine, we're trying to help get that message out there to more people so that we can serve the community better as a whole. Because a lot of people don't know about the different options they have to treat their body. Now we're trying to push that narrative a little farther. All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Neuroflex podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. I wanted to tell you guys a little about brain mapping. Uh, this is something that you guys may have heard of before. It's an electrical study of your brain activity. We're measuring uh, five major brainwave frequencies, ranging from the slower brainwaves, delta, theta, alpha, and then some of the faster waves, too, such as beta, high beta, and gamma brainwaves. These are all involved in different aspects of cognitive functioning. And if you have too low or too high level of some uh, different brain waves, it can be linked to different dysregulated states. So with neurofeedback and some other neurotechnologies we use here at Neuroflex, we're able to then use the, the brain map to guide us to regulate the brain activity um, to improve your overall cognitive performance and whatever your specific goals may be whether that's improving your sleep, improving your mood, reducing stress, it's all kind of individualized based on what you want to gain out of training. So if you're in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, that's something that we currently offer. Go ahead and check us out, www.neuroflex.com. That's N-U-R-O-F-L-E-X.com. You can also shoot me a DM at Neuroflex Florida on Instagram. On to today's interview, we have a very special guest, Dallas McLean. Dallas is the co-founder and editor of Biohackers Update magazine. Uh, born in the USA, Dallas is a passionate reader of personal development books and is a tennis enthusiast. He is the chief information officer and editor of Biohackers Update magazine and the co-founder. He holds a bachelor's degree in biological science, and he is currently living in Orlando, Florida, with his wife and daughter, where he enjoys writing, sports, and nature hikes in his free time. So, Dallas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Toby. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, I we met at the, the Biohacking Congress, a, a conference in uh, in Miami a couple weekends ago, and I was really intrigued to, to learn about what you guys had going on with the, the Biohackers Update magazine I just wanted to to see if you could tell me a little about kind of what what spurred the the original idea of wanting to do a biohacking magazine and just tell me a little about how that came about. Of course, yeah. So not to tell too long-winded of a story, but it started around 2019. I was living in Spain at the time, uh, teaching English over there. And we were in Barcelona and I was just looking for something to do on the side while I was teaching English because um, there was sometimes some gaps of time windows that would open up in between classes. And I'm like, I want to be doing something else. So I just stumbled upon this opportunity of people uh, posting about this Biohackers magazine idea. 
which was originally an idea held by uh, a guy from Germany. And he saw that biohacking was growing and there was kind of like a need for some coverage, uh, a lot of different media coverage and perspective on it. So we had this idea of the Biohackers Update magazine and he needed someone that was more of a native English speaker to um, and familiar with some of the biolog biological terminology into biohacking. So my resume kind of fit that and I was brought on as the editor. And long story short, we, we launched our first issue at the end of that year and it didn't go quite as planned uh, with the exposure and everything. And with everything going on, I get everyone has their own problems. The founder basically said, I can't do this anymore. I need to devote more time to this. And we were like, okay. So a lot of people just left and stopped, you know, working on the company and everything. So there was only like nine of us or something at the time. And it just came down to me and Arjun, or I should say Arjun and I, uh, who he's based in India. And he was handling marketing, I was handling editing, and we're like, do we keep this going or not? Or do we just let it die? And we decided, well, we already put some work into it. Let's just keep it going because it does seem like the need is there, right? It does seem like people got some sort of value out of um, just bringing that, those scientific articles and interesting biohacks to the, the forefront, right? Not just keeping it in a niche space, trying to bring it to more mainstream uh, publication. So we decided to keep it going. And now we're on our 18th, 19th issue. Um, it's been over three years now. We've been growing, we've added more people to our team, we have uh, designers, we have, um, you know, additional editors for video and audio, and we, we're, we're growing, uh, we're a humble company, but we're, we're determined, you know, we're determined to make a difference uh, in the world of health by offering a perspective for people and for readers and listeners to really take control of their health and the information that they're receiving, not just from their doctor, but maybe now they're looking at a magazine and they're saying, oh, I have this problem. Why don't I try this biohack first before doing something super invasive that might be life-changing and cause some serious side effects, right? So that's what we're trying to stand for is just like promoting good and scientifically backed articles that engage readers and listeners in a way that's not trying to sell people something. It's trying to just give back to the community that's so focused on their health and making themselves be a better person each and every day uh, through optimization. That doesn't have to necessarily come through treatment-based medicine. Treatment-based medicine is great. Like we, of course, like we, learn a lot and we need it in a lot of cases, but preventative medicine, in, in my opinion, is something that really got exposed during the pandemic of like what people need to do to prepare their health for all of these types of situations. And we have been trying to be at the, the forefront of that, bringing that to the community, really establishing a biohacking community. Right. And no, I really like what you said there about, you know, not not trying to necessarily sell anything uh, or be super salesy, because I feel like the biohacking community, you know, can can definitely lean that way. Just I mean, I, I think inherently with, you know, the the kind of supplements and different high tech gadgets, you know, it can get very pricey. 
but it's mm -hmm. like, I, I feel like a lot of the most, you know, essential and, uh, you know, transformative biohacks are, are oftentimes very cheap, if not free things like getting sunlight, I mean, taking vitamin D, you know, uh, just eating a clean diet. I mean, these things aren't necessarily going to break the bank, but, uh, you know, it, it, I, I like the point that you brought up there because I think that that can be a problem in, in that in the field. You're so right. Uh, it's an easy field where people can kind of push their product um, biasly, you know, maybe without knowing it exactly, but because it's an unknown era and people are still learning a lot about the science and studies and, and clinical trials behind some of the stuff, it's easy to just say this is the price and this is what it does and here's a little bit of research on it um but we we definitely are trying to stay remain unbiased and like you said a lot of people biohack and they don't even know they're biohacking you know biohack is still a relatively new term but some people take only cold showers some people go for walks after dinner um a lot of these fundamental things that we know are good for us kind of intrinsically we just gravitate towards doing them, not knowing that we're taking control of our health through biohacking. Biohacking consists of, um, you know, two tiers really, and they kind of overlap in some ways, but there's the fundamental part that is like the roots of what, you know, keeps us rooted to our human nature and, and our human biology and, and makes the best of that. And then there's the extensions, like the, technolo the technological side of it, that acts as like extensions of our arms and legs and tools that we use as humans to make ourselves better. And then of course there's the overlap of combining those things. Um, but we're trying to also keep it balanced where someone's not going too far down the technological side or too far away, too far down the root side. You know, we have to, to see the benefit of each side and that's what biohacking is all about. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's definitely a, a healthy perspective there. And, and when I, I tend to subscribe to. So what, what was your kind of introduction to, to biohacking and how do you feel like it's kind of made a, an impact in your own life? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would say, I have to be honest, I did not know what biohacking was when I stumbled upon the opportunity. And then I slowly learned over time that in a way we're all biohacking. It's just how much to an extent are we biohacking, right? We're all as, as humans, we all have that desire to be curious and to experiment with things and to see how things change when we change something. Um, but some, of course, way more than others. For me, I didn't know what biohacking was, but I was doing a lot of biohacking through uh, just trying to stay in shape and reading. I was, I was reading a lot. I discovered uh, personal development, and that was what really kind of brought me uh, to even seeing that opportunity is just I wanted to to always see life as an adventure and trying to learn and trying to build upon my skills um, not to necessarily make me a superhuman or superman or anything but just to be able to fully optimize myself each and every day so that I can bring the best to the community because if I'm operating at my best and I'm being the best person I can be. I'm being the best father I can be. I'm being the best son I can be. I'm being the best brother. I'm being the best, you know, community member um, and helping the community as a whole. Because if I'm not, if I know I could be doing more, 
you know, I'm also, I also know that the community could be prospering more based on my service. You know, I see myself as trying to just serve uh, instead of just trying to selfishly get ahead. Biohacking has a connotation where a lot of people want to say that it's selfish and it's egotistical and maybe in some ways they're right. But I think deep down biohacking is more about the individual's importance of focusing on themselves in a disciplined way that helps them be able to become a person that they should be and that they were designed to be and, and fulfill that vocation that makes the world a better place, you know, because they're optimally functioning, they're able to give their best and their best service to the world. So that's kind of my experience. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I feel like if, if people are not dealing their best, whether that's like physically or mentally, it's like they're going to, they're going to perform at suboptimal levels. And, you know, with, with that mindset of, you know, doing, doing whatever you can to like serve the community, be the best, you know, husband and son and brother, all the things you mentioned, it's like that is not necessarily going to happen if we're, you know, putting junk into our bodies and mm -hmm. our bodies are kind of having to constantly try to overcome all these, these toxins and, uh, yeah. and setbacks. For sure. So I saw that, you know, you guys have definitely uh, had some, had some cool um, interviews. I, I saw you guys had uh, Ben Greenfield on the show uh, mm -hmm. or on the, on the, in the magazine, Mark Devine, Reed Davis. Tell me about like what, what have been uh, some of the most notable issues or uh, maybe interviews um, as part of those issues that, that you've worked on so far? Well, I guess a lot of the underlying themes that have been brought up in each of the interviews is the issue that we all face as human beings to fall into complacency uh, with a lot of what the world is giving to us and offering us. Um, for example, you know, uh, all of the toxins that you just mentioned that are just floating inside our body or in our environment, and we don't even, you know, take the time to become aware of a lot of that stuff. You know, awareness is the first step. Um, when we become aware, you know, you can either freak out or you can, you know, start to take a disciplined approach to fix that. And that's what I noticed with a lot of the people I interviewed, Reed Davis, Ben Greenfield, Mark Devine, uh, Victor and uh, Robert Slovak, you know, um, all of these people have an approach of healing the body, but with a disciplined effort. And a and a in a way that's in a way that's like how would I say this? A disciplined effort that's not going too far, that's that's not breaking your balance of your life, right? So it's like a incremental way of getting those toxins out of the body or, or an incremental way of changing your habits so that before you know it, you're doing things that are, you know, a lot more uh helpful to your life and to those around you and you're slowly getting away from those bad habits so i think the underlying theme is that there's toxins and there's a way that society is telling us to think and telling us to do things and telling us what to eat and there's a lot of energy that we have to use to become aware of that and then use that to make those disciplined choices 
and to step away from the masses, you know, which is hard a lot of times because the masses are a lot of times people that are very close to us, right? Our, our family, um, our close friends and all of these people, they have influence over us. But when we become aware of the people that we need to become and step away from this complacency and, comf and comfort, we can kind of use that to reassure ourselves that we're doing what's best for us and we're doing what's best for the community by trying to take those steps to get those toxins out of our body and do the right choice, make the right choices to, to, to serve, you know, that's what we're all here to do. In my opinion, it's just to serve the fellow man. And we do that, you know, through taking care of ourselves too. We can't forget about self-care. It's important. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about, uh, you know, what I, I guess when I first became aware of biohacking, you know, I probably in a way that a lot of people did through Dave Asprey and through, through Bulletproof Radio. And it was, I feel like, you know, very much so the, the, you know, pushing like the peak performance in the sense of like, you know, accomplishing more, you know, doing more, being able to work for longer hours, working smarter, you know, like all these things that, um, you know, are very, very important, very good, but, um, not maybe necessarily as much as, um, you know, this sort of idea of like serving the community, you know, being, you know, the best person, best friend, best, you know, son, all these things that you're sort of talking about. So it's interesting. Do you, do you sort of see that same kind of division too, within like the, the kind of people who gravitate towards biohacking, where there's kind of like the people who are just like, you know, just give me more energy to, to work harder, make more money. And then there's also like the people who are like, let me, let me like live a balanced life and take care of myself and get rid of toxins, all the, you know, the things we're, we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. To an extent you're, you're right. There is those, those two different sectors of, of the biohacking industry. Uh, but I, I have to say, I think I've been fortunate and a lot of the people I've spoken with and interviewed seem to have a very down to earth approach of just wanting to do their mission of serving their fellow man or their fellow community, the health industry, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it's, it's a very selfless way of uh, promoting their product. You know, I know you have to have advertising, you have to do this and there's a lot of things you have to do to promote the message, but there are generally speaking from the heart, I think. And and I'm very fortunate to to be able to talk with them because another theme that relays from all of them would be there's their understanding of, you know, what's true in the world, you know, what's, what's the truth and how, how they approach that, how they use that to make their product a serviceable product for, for everyone. Um, I think it was, said by uh i want to say c.s lewis had a quote one time and it was if you look for truth you you can may find comfort in the end but look for comfort you won't get either comfort or truth only soap soft soap and wishful thinking to begin and then in the end i think you get despair so it's like they're not looking for comfort they're not looking for money right they're looking just to serve and the money will come like if you're doing a, a valid service to the community and you, you you are working hard at it and you're keeping that end goal in mind just to serve, 
the money comes either way. Like it's going to happen. It's just a law of the universe. But if you're focused on the money, you're going to be looking to cut corners and there's going to be corruptions and everything like that. And you're just looking for comfort. You're not interested in the truth. But these, all these guys I've been talking to, they're interested in getting their product out there because they, they truly believe in it and they think it's the truth and it's going to make us better people. So I'm very humbled to be able to even, you know, talk with those people. It's, it's been a great experience. That's amazing that, that you found all those, I mean, that, that, that many people um, with that same kind of uh, mission. You know, I, I wanted to, to ask you about, so this was something I, I saw on your guys' website and something I also became aware of for the first time at that biohacking Congress. And I was wondering if you could speak at all on, um, on light water, the, the uh, deuterium depleted water. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really interesting, um, interesting product. And just, I, I didn't know really anything about deuterium uh, depleted water. I don't think that's something that's ever been brought up by a guest on the show yet. So I just love if uh, if you could speak on that for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll do, I'll do my best. I'm sure they would, of course, do it much more justice than, than me. But um, so those guys are brilliant. Let me just start by saying that. And the deuterium depleted water is a, is a lot of different ways to tackle talking about it. The first would just be from a historical standpoint of, of deuterium and its existence on earth. So deuterium is another form of hydrogen. So um, hydrogen, when it's mixed with water, it's H2O, right? Two hydrogens, one oxygen. What happens is with deuterium, it's an unstable form of hydrogen and it, it takes the place of one of those hydrogens for that water. And because it's a little heavier, that hydrogen, it causes issues in our ATP pump in our mitochondria where it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole because it's deuterium and it's heavier the pump to make atp doesn't function as well and it results in more aging or less energy production so that's kind of the whole mechanical breakdown there but um there's been a lot of theories as to you know how deuterium ended up you know significantly increasing in earth's uh the environment and if you look at studies of people that live close to glaciers or people that live close to really natural pure water everything that they're consuming starts with that water right even the meat and the plants and everything have just pure like h2o good water not heavy water they, as they call it heavy water's deuterium so because they're like constantly treating their mitochondrial pump in a in the best way that it was optimally designed for. They're not aging as rapidly. And you have people, the ratio to centarians to, to the regular population is so crazy. Like it's, it's really good compared to the westernized uh, societies. So what they do is they found a way to make this water called light water, they call it because it's like almost like that glacier water. And there's a certain process that they use that I'm not going to go into because they could course design it better but it's like a whole bunch of long like tubes and they use like condensation and everything to make this water super pure water so that we can drink it and slowly the concentration of the deuterium gets filtered out of our bodies and, and gets a little lower um i think optimal deuterium levels in our body is like 
a hundred parts per million or something. But uh, Victor, I think, said that the average human being has like 130 parts per million or something or 140 or 50. So it does cause a lot of slowness in our um, movement and it actually increases the aging process and invites uh, more chronic disease uh, because the our body isn't functioning as properly as it could be. He used a good analogy. He's like, imagine you're super fit and you're ready and you've done everything you need to do to prepare for this 5k race or marathon race or whatever. And you're so excited. And then you start running and then you step in gum and the gum just slowly starts to like slow you down. It's like, that's what drinking like constant deuterium water is like. And you're going to get that from almost all the water that you drink, unless you get it from a special source, like a glacier or something like that. Um, and, and they said that it, it relates back a, a lot of biohacks relate back to deuterium depletion. When we go for runs, or we work out and we're sweating, we're sweating out a lot of that deuterium. When we're using a sauna and other things like that, we're sweating out a lot of that deuterium, but then we're replacing it with, you know, heavy water in a, in a lot of ways. So that's why, that's where they come in and say, this is one of the most ultimate biohacks because you can just replace your water with light water and you're not getting that deuterium back into your system. And even when you eat low carb diets, low carb diets don't have a lot of that heavy water in it. So you're eating like a lot more of those fresh foods. They don't have as much heavy water. So they say it all, all kind of uh, runs full circle, but deuterium depleted water is super interesting. I, I have yet to try it. I've wanted to, but I have uh, close friends that have tried it and they say it is something very noticeable. Very cool. Yeah, yes. that's, that's definitely a, a lesser known uh, biohack, but I feel like definitely I could see, seems like that could definitely grow a lot in, in, kind of prominence what yeah. what what other sort of biohacks maybe that people might not be aware of that are kind of more um, more fringe or more uh, just you know maybe uh, on on the come up that you've become aware of say you know in your uh, process of, of doing the magazine yeah that's a good question there's there's so many man um one of our recent issues was about molecular hydrogen and I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that, but it, it's crazy because it's like just this form of hydrogen, the, the, which is hydrogen is like the smallest element, right? And the first element on the periodic table of elements. So it's able to actually go straight into our cells and not have to go through the sodium potassium pump. So that's one thing of how crazy efficient that thing is able to be used um, to basically just revitalize our cells. Um, so uh, Tyler LeBaron, we did a featured cover on him and he talks about molecular hydrogen and how they studied it and everything and how it's able to really optimize the body to fight chronic disease and, and fight a lot of different symptoms that affect the body that people haven't really been able to, to see much progress with, uh, even with pharmaceuticals. And I mean, it's crazy. Like the technology they have is usually you can inhale the hydrogen gas as a gas, or you can, they make these tablets and you drop it in water and it like combines with the water, but you're still drinking like pure molecular hydrogen. And he's like, it's crazy because you'll drink it. And then a minute or two later, you automatically just feel like refreshed. You feel a little bit more energized because it just enhances the ATP production so much in such a natural way that our mitochondria are like, this is what we 
were pretty much designed to run off of. It's like just pure hydrogen. It kind of relates a little bit back to light water, I think. Um, another one, if you have time, is um, this one. I This guy I met, uh, Christian Drapu, uh, in at the Biohacking con Conference in L.A. in September. He runs a company called Stemrogen. And his company is focused on harnessing the benefits of stem cells from the body. So stem cells are released from the bone marrow. Uh, but as soon as we turn 30, uh, the, the release of the stem cells from the bone marrow into the bloodstream goes down drastically because of aging and, and a lot of things. But we have these stem cells naturally within us. And everyone knows that stem cells, you know, can become almost any type of cell to help facilitate the healing process of the body. So if you have a lot of stress on your brain, maybe your bone marrow can release some stem cells and they go to the brain through a whole process and start to heal that area. So he has uh, figured out that there's actually a lot of plant compounds from like aloe vera, um, a few other ones like some sea berries where they found that these compounds actually promote the release of stem cells naturally from our bone marrow to heal the body. And they've done studies with, with rats and, and even clinical trials and everything where the healing rate is just through the roof in terms of the difference. Like people that have like joint pain or like, you know, super muscular tightness or, or a lot of different things. Um, people that had uh, severe burns on their faces, third degree burns, they took this stuff and they were able to see almost night and day difference in like 30 days of like just she had normal skin. Um, so it was really quite astounding, but basically it just taps into the natural healing process of the body. It's called Stimrogen. You take like two pills a day and it's all these extracts from plants that are able to just promote the healthy natural release of stem cells from our bone marrow which we have so many of it's just that that whole process gets kind of stinted after we turn 30 so that's another interesting one right right and especially right now just with the sort of you know difficulty to access you know like uh, you know getting stem cell injections just both with like the cost along with just can you know the legal uh, regulatory status yeah. in different countries you know it it makes sense to find ways to kind of trigger your body's own own production which sounds like that that kind of product is able to do yeah it's a brilliant article too it's going to be in our next uh issue in december so be on the lookout for that sweet and yeah in terms of like other things like coming up like uh, what what other sort of projects are you guys planning for the future? Anything anything upcoming that we can look forward to? Well, yeah, of course. Uh, we always have our podcast where we're interviewing uh, guests and you know people that are featured on the cover. If you're more of a listener, you can go there to check us out and listen instead of uh, reading the magazine. But we we also we cover different events around the country like for example we're going to the next biohacking congress in uh let's see austin in february i think we're also going to an event in miami called the ultimate wellness event at the faena hotels on january 13th so we're, we try to you know stay at those conferences and congresses because we feel like uh the power of just being in person and everything and and meeting people is, you know, one of those things that you're just never going to get close to if you're online and 
and um, everything. So we also have um, some ideas coming out that, you know, I can only speak high level about, but we, we want to make the magazine a lot more interactive. Um, so interactive in the sense where you can almost be inside the articles and, and the content and the, the imagery, the graphics and everything and make it more because that's where the world is going. It seems like is a lot more virtual reality type things. Um, people want to always like, you know, have that technological aid with them whenever they're, they're doing those things. Um, so we're thinking about integrating that, um, you know, there's always exciting things in the pipeline. I, I can just say that we're super thrilled to be pushing a magazine out almost every month, month and a half podcast, um, every month. And we also have, uh, with our partner cyborg gains media uh who is john falakawa who you met uh toby there he's a brilliant guy and he does a podcast as well called no plan b podcast on his platform um and you know that podcast is just so insightful but going beyond that the stuff that he does and the things that he is able to do with his body i think he's you know just over 50 but he he's crazy in shape he does the biohacking and he also is just a really down-to-earth insightful guy um, that is always keeping us ahead of the trend so um, with that I'll just say there's stuff coming out in the next year so be on the lookout perfect and for people who are interested in kind of keeping up to date and connecting with you and, and the magazine where can people find you guys at yeah of course so biohackers magazine dot uh, com is probably the the simplest way on our website there we also have instagram biohackers magazine um the the podcast is embedded into our website but it's also on spotify biohackers magazine and then if you're interested in connecting with uh my partner john falakara um it's cyborg gains on instagram and then uh, my personal Instagram is Gates of Growth. Um, so if you're interested in that, you know, feel free to message us. We're, we're happy to work with you and see what you guys have to say or contribute. And we're excited about collaborating. Perfect. We'll I'll certainly include links to all those that, uh, that you mentioned down in the show notes. And for those of you guys who enjoyed the conversation today, just want to let you guys know you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or most other major audio streaming platforms. If you prefer the full episode uh, to watch the video episode, you can check us out on Neuroflex on YouTube. The channel is Neuroflex, N-U-R-O-F-L-E-X. And if you guys have any questions, comments, uh, suggestions for people that you'd like to see on the show in future episodes. I'd love to hear um, some input. Um, shoot me an email, toby at neuroflex.com. You can also DM me at Neuroflex Florida. Dallas, I wanted to just thank you so much for, for coming on the show today and just sharing all your knowledge and expertise with us. Oh, thank you very much, Toby. I'm humbled to be on here and it's been a great pleasure. Hope to do it again sometime. Absolutely.